Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 162. Today's big Bible question, does God favor the rich, powerful, and established, or the poor and powerless? A meditation on Isaiah 40. So hello, friends. Happy Monday to you. I hope your celebration of the Lord's Day was joyful, edifying, and instructive. Our church read through Jesus' letter to the church at Ephesus, which calls them and us to return to their first love, a passion for him. Today's Bible passages could all stand on their own for a whole episode. Each chapter pretty much could be a focus passage very easily, so it was kind of tough to choose what to focus on. For instance, Deuteronomy 12 tells us that life is in the blood, and it has a command repeated multiple times, followers of God must not eat blood. They must pour it on the ground and never consume it. Now, a discussion of this dynamic could take up a whole episode. Most Americans, not all, but most Americans don't eat blood. We don't eat blood puddings or things like that or whatever, but other cultures, including some of our friends in the United Kingdom and other places, actually have such things as staples in their culture. Now, while I believe that Christians are no longer under the Old Testament law, but the New Testament covenant, prohibitions like this one in Deuteronomy 12 sort of make me wonder since this command is based on the principle that has not changed. Well, I don't know what to do with that, but maybe we'll discuss that on a future episode. Psalm 97, we could talk about that. It contains a very vivid, vivid and almost ominous description of God and his surroundings. And I think I've told you guys before that one of my favorite episodes, 162 episodes in of the Bobby Bible Reading Podcast, is when we talked about what does the Bible say God looks like? And Psalm 97 sort of gives us a pretty good description of at least the area around God. And it says this, clouds and total darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. So we Over and over, we can see in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, that God is surrounded by darkness, fire, lightning, and power. And I believe that the real appearance of God to all those who are sinners uh, is like this, all of humanity, basically. That he is depicted in a somewhat different way in the New Testament is not at all due to a change in God himself, which a lot of people think, but actually to a change in those who are followers of Jesus. Because Jesus has taken our sins away, we are now able to boldly enter into God's presence and see him in his beauty, not through the lens of the terror of being uh, horribly sinful in front of a perfectly holy and just God. And we could also focus on Revelation chapter 10. It's a very short, mystifying chapter, but it does depict what I believe is, you know, pretty likely an archangel, or at the very least, an incredibly powerful angel. And you can see this incredible description at the very beginning of Revelation 10 of this uh, unnamed angel, where John says, I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun, his legs were like pillars of fire, and he held a little scroll opened in his hand. He put his right foot on the sea, his left on the land, and he called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. Now, that would have been interesting to talk about. That angel sounds incredible. Sounds very similar, in fact, to the descriptions of Jesus. And uh, Michael 
in Revelation and other places in the Bible, like Daniel. We could have focused on any of those chapters today and gotten some rich content out of them, but instead, we're actually going to focus on an iconic chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, the Wings Like Eagles passage. Now, interestingly, when I was actually typing that sentence earlier, my eyes fell on a small sculpture I have on my desk of a flying eagle that has the passage from Isaiah inscribed on it. It was like one foot away from me, and I had forgotten it was there until just that moment. Now, when I say Isaiah 40 is iconic, what I mean is it has some of the more memorable and powerful scriptures in the Bible. It stands right up there with chapters like John 3 and John 3.16, Psalms 23, Genesis 1, Philippians 4, and I don't know, 1 Corinthians 13. There are plaques, posters, pictures, calendars, statues, and Bible covers all around Christendom that contain verses inscribed on them from these chapters. And sometimes with these kind of iconic chapters and verses, we just sort of assume that we know them and then we, you know, maybe ignore them. But I sort of think that's a mistake. I have been reading and rereading over and over and over again, really, Psalm 23 for the past couple of months, for instance. And honestly, I'm finding fresh truth and comfort there and not stale bread crumbs, even though that chapter is very short. And I've probably read it, read it 30 times this year. Uh, it's still got some freshness and depth to it because it's the Word of God. Now, Isaiah 40 might have some familiar passages in it, but it is so long and rich and deep that it is not familiar, like all of it is not familiar to most people. So let's read the whole chapter as a whole, and then we're going to kind of meditate our way through it and discuss our focus question. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of hard service is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear, and all humanity together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice was saying, Cry out. And another said, What should I cry out? All humanity is grass, and all its goodness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Zion, herald of good news, go up on a high mountain. Jerusalem, herald of good news, raise your voice loudly. Raise it, do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His wages are with him and his reward accompanies him. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them in the folds of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with the span of his hand? Who has gathered the dust of the earth in a measure or weighed the mountains on a balance and the hills on a scale? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or gave him counsel? Who did he consult? Who gave him understanding and taught him the paths of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Look, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are considered as a speck of dust on the scales. He lifts up the islands like fine dust. Lebanon's cedars are not enough for fuel or its animals enough for a burnt offering. 
All the nations are as nothing before him. They are considered by him as empty nothingness. With whom will you compare God? What likeness will you set up for comparison with him? An idol? Something that a smelter casts and a metal worker plates with gold and makes silver chains for? A poor person contributes wood for a pedestal that will rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not fall over. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not considered the foundations of the earth? God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out heavens like thin cloth and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He reduces princes to nothing and makes judges of the earth like a wasteland. They are barely planted, barely sown. Their stem hardly takes root in the ground when he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind carries them away like stubble. To whom will you compare with me? Or who is my equal? asks the Holy One. Look up and see. Who created these? He brings out the stars by number. He calls all of them by name because of his great power and strength. Not one of them is missing. Jacob, why do you say in Israel, why do you assert? My way is hidden from the Lord and my claim is ignored by God. Do not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths may become faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. So first of all, I want to highlight the deep and profound truth of Isaiah 46 through 8. This small passage here is just a wonderful passage to meditate on. Uh, All humanity is grass. And all its goodness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Now, that passage makes you feel small in the same way that being beside the ocean under the canopy of the stars at 1 a.m. when nobody else is on the beach also makes you feel small. It puts things into perspective and it prepares us to meditate on the love of God for humanity and his gentleness towards us, which in turn makes the spirit soar. So verses 10 and 11 say, See, the Lord comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His wages are with him and his reward accompanies him. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those who are nursing. So, behold the awesome power and majesty and eternality of our God while also marveling at his gentleness, his nearness, his watch care. And yet, as we continue reading, we see that this God of gentleness, who is like a loving shepherd, has a vastness and level of power and wealth that humanity honestly cannot even begin to comprehend. Because verses 15 through 17 say, Look, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are considered as a speck of dust on the scales. He lifts up the islands like fine dust. Lebanon's cedars are not enough for fuel or its animals enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. 
They are considered by him as empty nothingness. Now, surely one that is powerful as God, one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and literally has more wealth than a thousand million earths combined, surely he would favor those who are powerful and mighty, those who are rich and elite, right? Well, actually, no. Verses 23 through 25 says, He reduces princes to nothing and makes judges of the earth like a wasteland. They're barely planted, barely sown. Their stem hardly takes root in the ground when he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind carries them away like stubble. So, wow, he brings princes and judges to nothing? That's sort of alarming, right? If that's the case, then surely God has no regard for the mighty and powerful and wealthy, then that means he barely even notices the poor and powerless, right? Well, again, the answer is no, because we read in 28 through 29, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. So we see again that God looks with great favor on the lowly and the powerless. He strengthens them. And this is a theme that is all through scripture. Dozens and dozens of times we get to verses like Psalm 138 verse 6. Though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. So God knows the lowly person. He's near them. But the haughty and the high and the arrogant, he knows them from a long way away at arm's length. Proverbs 3.34, towards the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. Proverbs 29.23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Matthew 23.12, Jesus says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Also, Luke 1.52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Or how about 1 Peter 5, 5? Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, does God favor the poor or the rich? Well, I think the best answer is that God favors the lowly and humble, no matter what their bank account says, though it should be noted that there are many warnings throughout Scripture to the rich. Not that they should immediately become poor or despise themselves or whatever like that, but that they should never look down on others or be haughty or trust in their money, etc. As Isaiah tells us, the one who trusts in the Lord will have renewed strength and vigor, soaring like eagles and running without fatigue. The just shall live by faith. Verses 30 and 31. Youths may become faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not be faint. Well, let's keep reading. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1. Be careful to follow these statutes and ordinances in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you to possess all the days you live on earth. Destroy completely all the places where the nations that you are driving out worship their gods, on the high mountains, on the poles, and under every green tree. Tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, burn their Asherah poles, cut down the carved images of their gods, and wipe out their names from every place. Don't worship the Lord your God this way. 
Instead, turn to the place the Lord your God chooses from all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling and go there. You are to bring there your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tenths and personal contributions, your vow offerings and free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. You will eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice with your household in everything you do because the Lord your God has blessed you. You are not to do as we are doing here today. Everyone is doing whatever seems right in his own sight. Indeed, you have not yet come into the resting place and the inheritance the Lord your God is giving you. When you cross the Jordan and live in the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit and he gives you rest from all the enemies around you and you live in security, then the Lord your God will choose the place to have his name dwell. Bring there everything I command you, your burnt offerings, sacrifices, offerings of the tenth, personal contributions, and all your choice offerings you vow to the Lord. You will rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons, your daughters, and male and female slaves, and the Levite who is within your city gates, since he has no portion or inheritance among you. Be careful not to offer your burnt offerings in all the sacred places you see. You must offer your burnt offerings only in the place the Lord chooses in one of your tribes, and there you must do everything I command you. But whatever you want, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your city gates according to the blessing the Lord your God has given you. Those who are clean or unclean may eat it as they would a gazelle or deer. But you must not eat the blood. Pour it on the ground like water. Within your city gates, you may not eat the tenth of your ground, of your grain, new wine or fresh oil, the firstborn of your herd or flock, any of your vow offerings that you pledge, your free will offerings or your personal contributions. You are to eat them in the presence of the Lord your God at the place the Lord your God chooses you, your son and your daughter, your male and female slave and the Levite who is within your city gates. Rejoice before the Lord your God in everything you do and be careful not to neglect the Levite as long as you live in your land. When the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he has promised you and you say, I want to eat meat because you have a strong desire to eat meat, you may eat it whenever you want. If the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, you may slaughter any of your herd or flock he has given you, as I have commanded you, and you may eat it within your city gates whenever you want. Indeed, you may eat it as the gazelle and deer are eating. Both the clean and the unclean may eat it, but don't eat the blood, since the blood is the life, and you must not eat the life with the meat. Do not eat blood. Pour it on the ground like water. Do not eat it, so that you and your children after you will prosper, because you will be doing what is right in the Lord's sight. But you are to take the holy offerings you have and your vow offerings and go to the place the Lord chooses. Present the meat and blood of your burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord your God. The blood of your other sacrifices is to be poured out beside the altar of the Lord your God, but you may eat the meat. Be careful to obey all these things I command you so that you and your children after you may prosper forever because you will be doing what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. When the Lord your God annihilates the nations before you, which you are entering to take possession of, and you drive them out and live in their land, be careful not to be ensnared by their ways after they have been destroyed before you. Do not inquire about their gods, asking, How did these nations worship their gods? I'll also do the same. You must not do the same to the Lord your God, because they practice every detestable act which the Lord hates for their gods. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Be careful to do everything I command you. Do not add anything to it or take anything away from it. Psalm 97 verse 1 The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coasts and islands be glad. 
Clouds and total darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. All the people see his glory. All who serve carved images, those who boast in worthless idols, will be put to shame. All the gods must worship him. Zion hears and is glad. Judah's villages rejoice because of your judgments, Lord, for you, Lord. You are the most high over the whole earth. You are exalted above all the gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the lives of his faithful ones. He rescues them from the power of the wicked. Light dawns for the righteous, gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm chapter 98, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has performed wonders. His right hand and holy arm have won him victory. The Lord has made his victory known, for he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Let the whole earth shout to the Lord. Be jubilant. Shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and melodious song, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord our King. Let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. Revelation chapter 10 verse 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face was like the sun. His legs were like pillars of fire. And he held a little scroll opened in his hand. He put his right foot on the sea, his left on the land, and he called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. When he cried out, the seven thunders raised their voices. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders said, and do not write it down. Then the angel that I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. He swore by the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it. There will no longer be a delay. But in the days when the seventh angel will blow his trumpet, then the mystery of God will be completed as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll, and he said to me, Take and eat it. It will be bitter in your stomach, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I ate it, my stomach became bitter. And they said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Well, dear friends, I pray that the word of God is a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good day to you and Godspeed.